What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is The Ringer's latest narrative podcast? You can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell, Sasha Mack on the boards. Chris Bosch and a few. Raja, I'm glad that I'm talking to you right now because it is on the morning after... The Phoenix Suns mollywopped the Denver Nuggets. Mm. It, it was a close game to start. And that third quarter, it just got it got ugly. It got real ugly. Phoenix Suns look really impressive. I know uh, on group chat, Waz said that uh, there are teams that, maybe newer teams that, you know, see an injured team and they don't really, they don't really give them the the bona fide respect that they deserve, and they just you know maybe they'll play down to the competition. Phoenix Suns didn't do that; they straight up mollywopped the Denver the Denver Nuggets on the game after Jokic is is named MVP, or it's reported that he is the MVP. Obviously, I'm imp- I'm impressed by this team. I think that they're going to go to the finals. What do you think about the Phoenix Suns right now? No, that that it's a it's it's pretty cool to watch them play, Logan. First of all. Um, I don't know how much I agree with, you know, them just respecting the hell out of Denver and giving them, I think they would like, they're just built They're They're built to play like this. They're, they're built Mm -hmm. to come in there and, you know, I play who you put out there against me. It's not my fault that anyone's injured or not injured. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm coming out there to play. I'm trying to win a championship and they look singularly focused like that. They're, they're there to try to win a chip. Now, you know, we had the conversation about real versus not real, and and that was a little bit more nuanced than 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 it probably came across as. I, they are squarely in the conversation right now um, for a team that can win a championship. When when I watched that game last night, and it was it was a blowout. Like I, 
everybody had 11 to 19 for Phoenix that was scoring. You know, I mean, like it was just across the board. But defensively, Logan, what they're doing defensively is 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 suffocating, man. Like, yeah, I was watching them dur- during the blowout, like a- as the game was already probably put away mathematically um, by NBA standards. And every single catch that Denver had, it was a closeout with high hands running you off of a shot. Like they weren't conceding anything. And that is suffocating. That's a problem for people. What is it when you talk about defense and, and things like that? What it takes, obviously, every there's great individual defenders on the Phoenix Suns team. You, know, you talk about Jay Crowder, Aiden at times when he's not in foul trouble, he's played great defensively. It's one thing to be coached up defensively, but what is it to have a mindset like they did, especially in the second half where everyone's swarming, everyone is playing, uh, is locked in. Is that coaching? Is that mindset? What kind of goes into that, Roger, when you are trying to have a defensive presence in the postseason? Um, there are a few factors. I mean, coaching and and um, is clearly one component of it, right? Like that's got to be something that's established as your as your culture. You don't become one of the better teams in the NBA defensively without a coach, you know, preaching that. Um, without your 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 philosophies being implemented and, and having strong you know, foundation and what you're trying to do defensively. Um, you know, having personnel really helps too, Logan. And, you know, when you look at their starting lineup and they got Jay Crowder, uh, Miles, uh, Mikael Bridges, DeAndre and Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you're switching one through four. Um, yeah. And, and, and your four isn't like a bad switch. Your four is a very solid switch on a one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like yeah. we're putting two guys out there that can't really successfully switch, but we'll we'll try to switch the four and let him get baked. If he, you're switching very effectively one through four, um, and the other part of it is just mindset and mentality. You know, I could give you someone who's not super gifted physically, uh, and if he's a dog and he's got a will to get out there and grind and grit and grab and 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 make an extra effort on every possession, I can give you a good defender. But you yeah. can't put that in some people. You know, some people just don't have that. The Phoenix Suns have a bunch of dudes who uh, who are built like that. And so the willingness to get out there on every possession and just try to, you know, take away what you want to do defensively, it's it comes across on 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 the broadcast. And, you know, I was joking last week about the comparisons between you, your team and the Phoenix Suns. But you guys on the Phoenix Suns, you guys had really great individual defenders yourself. You had Sean Marion, you had tricks. Um what was the difference you think in in the coaching of defense defense then when you guys were playing, particularly with your team versus what you see from this Phoenix Suns team, right? Because it seems like they are locked in, whereas you guys had really, really good individual defenders but couldn't put it together defensively. What do you think is the differences between those two teams? Um, first of all, um, you know, as much as I, I love Mike and I do love Mike, I think he's great. We we're our focus was offense. It's what we came in and we did every day. We shot hundreds of shots pre-practice. We shot hundreds of shots post-practice. And most of what we did was based around how we were going to play offensively. Um, I, I liked it. I, lo- I loved playing in it. I thought it was great. But that that becomes what you default to, right? If that's what's preached to you all the time in, 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 the, in the fourth quarter down to a minute and a half to go, and you have to have a stop. Um, that's got to be beaten into you that we are a defensive, defensively tough and sound team. We didn't, we didn't necessarily do that, right? Um, yeah, and that's okay. Like I, you know, I'm. It, it's what it is, right? Some coaches are defensive minded, some are offensive minded. But I think 
you know, it, it wasn't beaten into us like that. And then secondly, like we did have some really talented and uh, def- defenders on that team. Sean Marion was, was just a Swiss yeah. army knife of a defender, but you're only as strong as your weakest link defensively. And all, we didn't have willing participants across the board defensively. Now, Steve Nash was a willing participant. There were just, you know, limitations with what he could do defensively. He tried, he was executing his game plan. Like, you know, he, he and I have talked about this. This isn't slander. Like he, there was only so much he could do. He was tasked with so much offensive responsibility. Um, but we had other pieces that didn't really mind if they, if they blew a coverage. And, you know, as that starts to happen, like I might, I might stay with it because I'm defensive minded as, as, as a perimeter player for the next three possessions after, you know, somebody behind me didn't do their job. But on the fourth right. possession, human nature kicks in. You're like, well, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like I'm out here busting my ass trying to, you know, lock this down and keep it where it's supposed to be and push it to where it's supposed to go. And, and no one's there. Like, and I know I'm running off at the mouth, but you remember, I talk to you about this clip all the time. They show it every time they show a Kobe Christmas, yeah. highlight. Yeah. I was sorry. Right? Yeah. I was about to talk Kobe's, about that, yeah. Kobe's at the top of the key. I'm on Kobe. And you could see that I jumped to a side, right? If you're really watching yeah. it, all it looks like to Kobe fans is that he blows by me and he and he dunks that shit. But, but you were waiting reality, on a guy to to help you. You were waiting. That on was a, a guy coverage to, call. Yeah. That's a yeah. coverage call. So I'm doing my job, jumping to the side, trying to force him, and my coverage didn't wasn't there for me. And that look, one play out of a, a million. So what? But when that's over and over again, it eats away at the fabric of who you are defensively as a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other thing that I, their defense has been amazing, but one of the biggest things that I, I, I've seen and it's really been a narrative here is just the addition of Chris Paul. And that was something that, you know, we talked about in the beginning of the season after he was in Oklahoma City, where, um, you know, I thought it was just going to make him a fifth seed, a five seed, make the Suns a five seed. I didn't know they were going to be ready to be a two seed and be a title contender because of Chris Paul. Not to say that. I just didn't think they were ready. Everybody else was ready. Um, but he's been great for them. And it's not necessarily scoring. It's it's finding, you know, using the pick and roll to find guys to to to, to attack, right? He was attacking Michael Porter Jr. a lot last night or or even just getting people in the right play. How does he kind of unlock everything else, right? Because they do have a franchise guy like Devin Booker. They do have a guy in waiting and DeAndre J- and DeAndre Aiden, who they think is going to be one of those guys. But what does Chris Paul at least do for the short term to unlock those guys? Um, well, it's 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 twofold for me, right? Um, let's just talk about off, like not necessarily on the court in terms of what he does to to make offense work, but. It, in the locker room, on the planes, um, on the buses, in the breakfast meetings, um, in shoot arounds, someone is 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 there to lead. You know, as great as Devin Booker is, and I'm not saying that he's not a leader because I have no idea, but he's young. And sometimes you yeah. develop into that, right? And I can't say that he's had a great role model to learn how to lead from. Sometimes that's helpful too. You've got a guy that is having the conversations that are keeping the relationships healthy, right? You have a guy that's not afraid to hold someone accountable, even if it's going to ruffle feathers for this afternoon, knowing that it'll pay dividends tomorrow night when we get on the court. Yeah, he might be mad at me in the short term, but this is what we have to do to be the best version of ourselves. Like you have a guy doing that now, right? Someone leading. I'll use like a football or soccer analogy, right? Like football. You can have a you can have a dope running back. You can have two gangster receivers, a, a decent O-line. If you don't have a quarterback distributing that ball, like calling checks at the line of scrimmage, making sure that the protection is slid where it needs to go, like it's all for naught. Like that shit don't work. You just got a bunch of talent that hasn't been put together and hasn't you know been used the right way. Soccer, like I think it's center mid, right? 
you got great strikers and people that can play, but if you can't play through the middle of that field or wherever and they can't distribute that ball, you just got a bunch of talent that isn't tied together. He ties it all together. Okay, soccer reference. Okay, you soccer like reference. We see you. We okay. see you. We saw that. <laughs> but <laughs> but building on that question, like, is like Chris Paul is not going to be in the league forever, right? He's probably not. He's not going to be on the Phoenix Suns forever. But do you think that he's one of those guys? I think about uh, Kyrie and LeBron, right? Kyrie was a certain type of player before LeBron got there and a certain type of player after. Do you see that with this Phoenix Suns team, right? Like when the Chris Paul influence is there, but he's not necessarily there. Do you think that a Devin Booker or a DeAndre Aiden or Mikael Bridges um, can use that and once he's gone, still keep that uh, organizational mindset that Chris has kind of helped build um, during the season? Uh, that's going to be the question of the Suns' future. I, I tend to think that and I referenced it a, a minute ago that having a good leadership, having a good role model in terms of leadership is important. You know, being a young, I've talked about this at length on the pods, coming into an organization where you've got great vets that are role models. And even better if that that vet that's your vet is a star and you and you watch him and you learn how to lead and he's a successful star and he's and you guys are winning. And that's not always the case for these super talented guys that go in early you know, in the lottery, right? They go to bad teams. And typically that means you don't have a great, great like superstar vet. But I think that there is going to be some rub off left there from Chris Paul on, on DeAndre Ayton's and the, and the, and the um, Devin Booker's. I'll also say this, Logan, because we haven't really been super, I know it's, this is a star driven pod. I said this when the heat right. got him probably, was it a year ago? I said this mm. when they got Jay Crowder. I yep, said, this man is going to be exactly what the Heat are going to need. When At the time, it was with Jimmy Butler because he is about all of the stuff that they are about. It's very similar in this situation. Chris Paul's phenomenal, but the Jay Crowders of the world, uh, like those guys are, are the fabric or part of that fabric as well. Yeah, it was funny. I, I was trying to, before this pod, I was trying to find a way to work in Jay Crowder. I just didn't know the question to do it, but I'm glad you brought him up because... You know, I don't want to speak for you, but he seems like of the ilk that you're in, right? Like that one of those guys that are that is a dog that is going to play defense that is maybe not seen as you know even a Juan T who isn't seen as like the most talented dude on the floor, but he works his ass off, right? There's somebody that has clawed and stay, to stay in this league, right? You need you obviously need superstars, but you need a Jay Crowder or a Raja Bell or those guys that really. Um, you know, they're, they, they're not who people come to see, but they are the people that really make the team go, well, why is it important to have the Raja Bells, the Jay Crowders, and, you know, those other superstar type role players uh, that, that you usually identify with? You know, like movies have stars, right? You take your favorite mm -hmm. star in a movie and sometimes they can carry movies. But often in great movies, you have a great supporting cast, right? You have people yeah. that, that do other jobs and, and, you know, help develop characters and do things like that that really add to the quality of the movie. A, a guy like Jay Crowder, there's really no ego. Like, I had an ego, so I don't want to say that. He's, pro he's got an ego. But we understand our place in the hierarchy. I'm not going to eat before Sean Marion, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Leandro Barbosa, and Boris Diaw. That doesn't mean there's not still enough left on the table for me, but I know that I'm not going to eat in front of them. So 
my job becomes really clear. You kind of let go of the, 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 to, to Fizz's point, Fizzdale, when we had him on, like you let go of the me and it, it becomes about the we, whatever that means to your team, right? So it might mean one night I don't score. Like we talked and you made fun about me guarding Kobe and getting four shots, but that's my job that night. You know, like right. 31 minutes on the floor, I get four shots. You know, we didn't win that. But if we if we do, I've done my job. The next time we play them, I might get 12 shots if that's what it calls on. And I got to step up there. And so th- those guys and multiple guys like that playing roles, you know, I talked to Jackie McMullen this morning, like she's doing a piece on Steve. And so we were talking. All stars need a bodyguard, dog. All of, them, all yeah. of those teams, all of those dudes need somebody that's going to step up if push comes to shove and do what Juan T said he was going to do, you know, if he needed to, or what I told you I would do or what Kurt Thomas would do or what, you know, you need those dudes to stand up and be like, no, nah, shit's not flying in this house. You see Blake Griffin doing it now. Yeah. Which you know? is funny. Cause it's he, like, people used to do that for him. People used to do that for right, Blake. Correct. But now that's yeah. his role. And so it, it really is integral to team success, man, because you know, stars win for sure, but you know, you have to have the support of of the rest of that team in the effort to get that championship uh, ring. What it's funny because even talking to you and you know behind the scenes and you know about role players, I always think like you talk brought up ego, and you know when you're a fan, ego seems like such a bad word, right? It always seems like it's you know this guy's egotistical. He he's, he lives above his head or whatever. But when you know you're around the league. Ego, in my opinion, is necessary. Now, as much ego as you have and how much you let it consume, you might mess you up. But what is the necessary ego that a role player needs to have or that an NBA player needs to have in general? Because you have to at least think highly of yourself. You have to be like, yo, I'm going to fucking make this basket when it counts. That's what you did in the the Clippers series in the semifinals, right? You have to have that, but you also have to have uh, a balance where, no, nah, Steve Nash is the star of this team, and I have to, and that that's what keeps us all rolling. How do you, how did you have to balance that, and how do a Jay Crowder and these other role players have to balance that ego to where it doesn't fuck up the team, but have enough of it to where it actually builds the team up? Well, that's why Drake, look, that's why Jay Crowder is where Jay Crowder is. That's where I, that's why I was able to be where I was. That's why Juan T is where Juan T is. They're probably or I, let me only speak for myself. There were better basketball players than me. They probably deserved to be in the NBA if you're talking about athleticism, skill, and all of that before I deserved to be in the NBA. Um, I was just able to understand while I do view myself as a damn good basketball player. I've been the best player on every team I've ever been on since I was in the eighth grade. You know, like it, it, it's just what it is. It's, it's not a brag. It's what, you know, it's what it is to get to that point. But I'm not the best player on the team anymore. And I'm not going to be the best player on the team going forward. So I can still firmly believe in myself given the opportunity, but I got to figure out, you know, what, what my role is and be able to say, right, like there's levels to this shit, baby. And unfortunately yeah. <laughs> you ain't on that level. So what, what can you do to make a living out of this? How can we be a part of something um, as cool as the NBA? And a lot of guys can't figure that out. They keep, they keep going into camps or they keep trying out for teams in the mode of I'm the best player on any team I've ever been in. And that's the yeah. way I'm going to work out today. So just give me the ball and get the fuck out of my way. No one's looking for that in a, in a, in a, in a workout with, with, uh, you know, free agents. Now you'll score buckets just because you're good, but they want to see you do the things that, that they can plug you into an NBA game and you can do. 
the things that kind of translate because they're not necessarily throwing you out there from an from a from a free agent camp to the first season of an NBA game. Like you're not going to be the guy, man. They have four guys. You're coming off the bench. They're going to ask you to dig in and defend and you know knock down a shot here or there. And a lot of people can't do what you're talking about, Logan. Is put that ego aside, you know, in an effort to make the league even, not just to win games. That was funny because remember when Juan T said uh, last week, he was like, yo, everybody wanted him to score. And he's like, motherfucker, that's not why I'm here. Like, that's literally not why I'm here. And I like it. And, and, but it's funny to when you hear all that around because score, score, score means if you score 20 points to the average fan, that was better than you getting, you know, the hockey assist right there or that big steal down the stretch or guarding a Kobe Bryant or a Steph for 35 minutes, right? That, that you know, you know yeah. I, I succumbed to that last week. You know what I mean? And then that's something that you constantly have to deal with. Um, time to get to the baggage claim. We'll be right back. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. I was watching the game last night, and... I was listening to Kevin Harlan. First, I started with Kevin Harlan. Then I went into the TNT crew. And they were talking about Devin Booker. And they saw, they were like, oh, I see that eye. I've seen that eye before. That's that Mamba eye. That's that Kobe eye, right? I don't want to, we could get those comparisons in a second. But what I, it's, it was interesting to me because 20 years ago, they were doing the same thing with Kobe and Michael Jordan, right? And I don't know. I had just some conflicted feelings on that, right? I had conflicting feelings on um, because I want Book to have his autonomy as a player. You know what I mean? It's It, it just mm-hmm. seems like I don't want that narrative to be on him because it'll always be on him for better or worse. It'd be like, oh, he has that look. Okay, Kobe was his mentor, yes. Kobe was somebody that, uh, you know, that really liked him, yes. But am I wrong for thinking like, eh, I don't know if I really want that for a player because we saw that, we saw that in Kobe's career for the whole career that he embraced the, the Michael Jordan comparisons. And it was like, you can't talk about Kobe without Mike. And I kind of want that Devin Booker to have his autonomy because Devin Booker is that dude. What do you, how do you feel about those types of comparisons between two players? Um, I think it's, I think, I don't think you're wrong for one, him to be able to, to be himself. Um, I think it's natural that you're going to get, you know, when someone has been, you know, publicly known to be, you know, your idol and kind of a mentor to you, you're there. It's natural for that to happen. So I, I don't see book and Kobe's game as being very similar though. I mean, right, he might've, yeah. he might've picked, you know, Kobe's brain and I'm sure he's implemented some things from Kobe, but in terms of their true style of play, I don't, I don't see them as being as similar as Mike and Kobe would look at times, if that makes sense. Right. Like from a walk, I mean, Kobe to, would go out of his way to be like, to like do the tongue, do everything like Mike. Right. Would do. I don't, I don't necessarily. Yeah. So I think, so I think, I think, I think what I'm saying to you is maybe you don't have to even worry because I don't know that you're going to wind up 
in that level of comparison at the end of the day because there aren't as many similarities. I think what they're referring to is that that time when those greats get into that mode where you could you can see that it there's that they know there's blood in the water and they're they're it's time to feed and they know when to they they're timely with it they know when to take it over they know when to ring off even if he had 18 last night run off four in a row real quick just to push that separation out to a point where the other team knows it's it's definitively over like the great ones have that i think he's got that and i think that's what they were referring to for sure um we talked about uh the supporting cast of phoenix right we talked about um you know everything that they've done well everything they've done well is about as bad as good as phoenix has been with their supporting cast has been about as bad as denver's supporting cast has been around Jokic over the last couple of games um is it do you think that it's a i know that their defense has been trash so is their um so is their uh three-point percentage but is it a function of Murray not being out, of being out and not being in the lineup. Is it a function of that more so, or do they need to figure out some other things that they need to do? Because it does seem like too much pressure is being put on Jokic in this point to where, you know, similar to LeBron and the Lakers when they went out, right? There's so much pressure on him that it just doesn't seem like it's going to work long-term until you get a secondary scoring option. Do you think it's other guys trying to step up to fill Murray's void and it's just not working? Or do they just need to step up? What do you think would be the remedy for Denver to get back in this series? Suit up Jamal Murray and Will Barton next game. Like if you're not, I mean, if you're not, if you're not going to do that, there's nothing. You're not getting back in this series, bro. That's not happening. The, the Phoenix Suns are. The, look, the Phoenix Suns have caught some lucky breaks. They caught the Lakers not healthy. They caught Denver, you know, unhealthy and. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. Every championship team on their run gets a break or two, um, avoids the injury bug, and plays well. Those three things have to happen. Because it takes luck to win a championship. Absolutely. So there's no apologies needed, dog. It is what it is. We're playing you. But then, yeah, Denver's missing Jamal Murray. Like Monty Morris, it's Monty Morris, right? Monty Morris, I'm bad with names, but that man can get you buckets. Like he can get you buckets. Austin Rivers can get you buckets. But there's a reason. You know, they're in the roles that they're in. That's not an every night thing for them. You don't, I've talked about this. You don't want them dudes having to carry heavy weight night in and night out. Those are for broad, broad, broad shoulders. Only a small percentage of NBA players fit that bill, right? Jokic, um, um, Jamal Murray, and maybe Michael Porter Jr. But see, Michael Porter Jr. right now is a jump shooter. Like he's and a he spot thinks, up shooter. And he thinks he's a and he thinks he's a star. And he might very well be a star, but he's not there yet. What, correct. He's 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 on the ascension. He, what he needs to do is go back to the lab this summer and figure out how to get some some more of KD in his game. Like he's got a he's got a wet wet, but he's got to go back and figure out how he can create for himself. Because right now he don't create for himself like that. And so that's how Jamal Murray ties that together. He's another creator for himself and for other people. And so it puts guys in their normal role. I catch and shoot. I can play off of Jamal. I can play off of Nikola Jokic. And then Jokic gets the support he needs where he don't have to facilitate and create plays the entire game. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens, man. Let's get into, um, let's get into predictions really quickly before we get to Chris Bosch. Now we have Clippers jazz. I'll go first and I'll throw you to you. 
Clippers Jazz. I really like what DeMarcus Cousins did. Um, if he could stay out of foul trouble, I do like the, like him as an extra big that can, you know, that can hit threes, that can post up, has to stay out of foul trouble. But I got the Clippers in this game. And the reason why I have the Clippers in this game is game one felt like one of those what? games where, yeah, man, I got the Clippers in this. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got the Clippers in game two, man. I, I don't know. I just, I have them. And I, I'm just going to go with that. I, I, I think that they, I think that they might, they might do that. I, I I don't know why. I just have faith in the Clippers in game two. The Clippers are funny like that, though, right? Because when you think that they're not going to win something, they they wind up surprising you. So I think I'm just I think I'm just have that in my mind of just again the Dallas series, and they just tricked me, and maybe they might trick me again. But I, I have I have the Clippers going into game two. Who you got? Let me double down on what you just said real quick. Um, they were also that Reggie Jackson was out down the stretch too. It was a huge piece. Like I don't think people touched on that enough. He had been playing great. Um, and he was in foul trouble and couldn't be on the floor at the end of the game. There's part of me that un- I understand exactly what you're saying, Logan. I understand because there's like 49% of me that says the Clippers are going to go in there and win game two. They they were off of a seven-game series. That is a trap game. If there's ever a trap game, Utah is a super difficult place to play. That team was on five days rest waiting for you. You roll in there, emotions are probably down, and you had a shot. You had a shot that could have, what, tied it at the end of the game? Like, you were right there few bad yeah. possessions down the stretch, some guys in foul trouble. But, but, I'm going to take the Utah Jazz tonight, man. They're, they're mm. playing with, well, off, wait, is Michael Conley Jr.? What's the, what's the word on that? I'm going to take Utah. I'm going to take Utah. take Utah. Um, for, 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 for no other reason than no one's going to be mad at me if I pick Utah and they lose, right? If I pick the Clippers and, and, if, and, and the Jazz win, I'm going to get smashed. So I'm going to take the Jazz. I think it's another Did close one. Did you get peer pressured in at picking the Jazz just now? Is that what I happened? I like the Is Jazz. Chad okay. didn't shoot well first quarter. Um, you know, I think they were without their one of their you know best playoff performers right now. I, I, I think the Jazz figure it out. But it's like 51-49%. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know. You kind of hedged your bet on that one, bro. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You said, I don't know if I go back. I don't know. Okay. Hey, all right, all right. I don't know. Uh, let's go. Um, Bucks Nets. Now, we were told that this was going to be an epic series, all the stuff, everything. And the Nets straight up just mollywopped the Bucks the first two games. I'm going to pick the Bucks, just because I hope that they have some pride about themselves. And I, I think it's just that I, I just hope that they, you know, the home crowd role players tend to play better at home and they need this game. They just need this game. We all know how game three is when you're down 0-2 going back home. You need to just blow the brakes off of Brooklyn. And I just think, you know, everything that they talked about against Miami, I hope that they back it up, that this is different. I just, as a point of pride, I'm going to pick the Milwaukee Bucks. Who do you pick for game three of this series? Uh, the Bucks are going to win tonight. Oh, you're... Oh, the you're Bucks, the <laughs> Bucks are that was just tonight. a straight-up guarantee. That's it. The Bucks, will, okay. the Bucks are going to win tonight. And if they don't, Raja... And if they don't, then I, I mean, then, then I've, I'm wrong again. Um, I just... <laughs> you know, when you... <laughs> typically, man, you get whooped like that, you go home... Um, you know, that shit weighs heavy on everybody, man. That's not a loss. That was an ass whooping. Um, you have to know, and I I don't think I'm spilling beans on this podcast, that the powers that be in Milwaukee are doing everything they can do behind the scenes to influence the way the game is going to be called tonight, 
the perceived like non fouls on certain players versus other players. Like there's all of that jostling for position going going on behind closed doors. I'd even go as far as to say it makes more sense for the NBA to to get a series out of this. Wait, wait. Do you have your third eye open? Do you got your kufi on right now? You got your are you, right. is, are you are you are you right here? Are you are you here with it? You know where I'm at? The Milwaukee Bucks will win tonight. That's where I'm mm. at. You know, <laughs> I think that um <laughs> it's funny because this is one of those games, and you know this, there's one of those teams every year where shit just has to go right or it goes completely wrong. Whereas, um, you know, Coach Bud right now is coaching for his job right now, and he has to win. It's one of those games where it just feels like, yo, we put the chips on the table. We got you, Drew Holiday. We got Chris Middleton. You have to figure all this stuff out. This is for on you to make sure that this happens, and you kind of get the sense, go at least for me, going to this game three, that like, yo, if this don't pop, it's probably going to be a sweep, and Bud, we're looking at you funny, player. I agree. I agree with you, and I... I don't know if I said this before, but the 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 Miami Heat were the absolute worst draw for the Milwaukee Bucks in the first first round, man, because mm-hmm. the level of you when people say put having their eyes on the prize, like the prize is the championship. So if you become if you become too excited about a series prior to the championship, you've taken your eyes off the prize. And the they, Bucks I, mean, I think they were so consumed with exercising the demons from last year, which specifically the heat mm-hmm. that I could make the case that they just took their eyes off the prize, man. And it's really, it, it was just an awful draw for them in the first round. Now I still pick them to win tonight. I agree with you 100% on bud. Like hey man, that, Hey, you can tough spot, bro. But uh, we'll see tonight. That's interesting that you said that, that the, 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 uh, because we've had teams that have lost in, in previous postseasons and just go are locked in for the next the next se- next ga- uh, the next season and they try to exercise those demons. But I think that the problem people the teams face is that they try to exercise demons on one team. No, you're trying to exercise a lot of shit. You're trying to like, nah, bro. You're at the end of the day, Milwaukee. You're still in the second round where we, by and large, just expect you to be. And our biggest gripe is that you don't get past the second round. So now you need to figure that part out. That's the demons you need to exercise. So. We'll see what happens, man. We both got the bucks, and I think that we're just holding on by a thread on this. We're just like, yo, y'all got to hold <laughs> us down on this. You guys got to hold us down. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, man, that was a dope conversation. Now, on to Chris Bosch. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m., and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month. 
just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. And we are back. Rural One Slogan Murdoch here. Raja Belt. Raja, I let you do the honors on this one because every time we have an NBA player, it just seems right when you do the intros. Raja, who do we have in the building? Yeah, we have a Georgia Tech legend. Uh, don't know how he got out of his home state, except we got a little backstory uh, before we came on air. Um, he was a beast up in the T-dot before he came down you know, to Miami and started winning chips. We have one Chris Bosch on the show. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Chris. What's up, fellas? Man, thank you. you that, was, uh, that was a nice intro, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. bro. Absolutely. What's this been like? What's retirement been like for you, Chris? Because I've always seen you as someone that plays. And and every time we talk to a retired athlete, there's always seems like somebody, it, it's, it's a reinvention that they have to make for themselves. And sometimes it has to be hard. Sometimes it's easier. How has that transition been for you? It's been difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's been difficult. It's been a process, but um, it's just like basketball for me, right? You know, uh, trying to be successful was a process. It was difficult. Um, and one thing, I, one thing I always kind of uh, point to when I, I tell people uh, I'm going into retirement, we, we have to find out who we are. I had to spend time with myself, with my family, and just figure out who you are, who I am, because all these things have happened. You know how fast time flies. Um, and I got to a point where it was amazing. Wow. All I ever did was play basketball, which was amazing. Um, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be the best. And I had other interests, but basketball <laughs> for the better part of my life. So, you know, it's just um, I had to find out what I like, find out what I don't like, get used to my children. They had to get used to me. You know, I got five kids. Um so you can imagine that having kids and dogs in the house is, is noisier. That pregame nap, there's no such thing as that pregame nap anymore. That was like <laughs> a moment of time that my wife carved out for me, you know, and helped me with, you know. So it's just really getting used to the real world and interpreting that and then just figuring out where uh, where you stand after that. And and um, I just kind of followed my heart in a lot of things and um you know, I was able to make some some cool things, and it's been a great ride so far. Chris, let me ask you, man, because, um, you know, by most accounts, like, the career came to an end not really on your own terms, right? Like, um, and a lot of us hope to go out kind of on those terms, so I know that had to be difficult. But did you find, like, for the hardest thing for me was finding, I still felt like I had some competitive juice left in me that I didn't get out. Right. So transitioning into that post NBA like life and you talked about all fascinating things because I have four kids I mean you got God bless you bro like five <laughs> I couldn't even imagine but but did you find what did you find to fill that competitive void because that's a hard thing to really find you know really I got it all out for the next two years I tried getting back into the league I tried everything from uh, talking to doctors to um, um, doing intermittent medicine uh, to just trying to gather data to present to maybe even play. So I, I was working out. I was still in the gym for another two years. And, and, you know, it just kind of the flames just went away. And 
mainly, I always tell the story, mainly it's after I saw um, Gordon Hayward dislocate his ankle. You know, I hadn't watched basketball in a year up, up to that point. And I was kind of, you know, not done with the game, but just kind of in a space where I said, yo, I need to get into it. This is what I'm going to do because I need to do this. And the first game I watched in the first quarter, the first five minutes, he dislocates his ankle. And so <laughs> that was the moment for me when I was like, yeah, I mean, you know how it is. I've been out of the game for like a year and a half, two years now. It's going to be an incredibly hard to get back into it. You know, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. You know, and I had to come to that realization. I, we were we're talking to you right now um, because we have because you have released a book called Letters to Young Athletes, um, and one of the biggest things, and I, I read a bit of it, and uh, it was really interesting. You were basically it was an advice book, and you were giving advice to younger athletes. What would you kind of advice would you give yourself um, as you right now going into um, the, the Chris Boss of the early 20s that is making that decision in free agency to go to the Miami Heat. Uh, what what oh, would man. you say to yourself if you do that? The old classic cliche, stay the course, something. Mm. <laughs> well, you, can't, you can't come on here talking about no state of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. We ain't going to let you come on here talking about state of course. Here, here's the thing. What am I going to tell yourself? Am I going to tell myself something that's going to deviate my where I'm at? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what am yep. I going to tell myself something that, you know what I mean? I, I watch Back to the Future all the time. You know, it's like you can't mess with the past, you know. But I would, I would, uh, really, I would tell myself um, you're going to have to take some lumps, man. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. If, if, if this is what you're trying to do, that's great. Just know that. You're going to have some fights coming. It's going to be tough, but you'll get through it. You got to just, you know, uh, um, really keep putting the work in and focus on what you're supposed to do. That that was always the main thing that that helped for me, you know, because I love basketball. And that was the thing that kept me straight. So I, when I was a professional trying to make that decision, um, what was important to me was an NBA championship. And I, I, I asked guys, I asked, uh, you know, different legends in the game, Dr. J, Magic, Bill Walton, you know, I was asking for advice. And, um, you know, I took their collective opinion and made it my own. And so, yeah, that's what I tell myself. Just just know that it's, it's great to celebrate, but just, you know, you might take you're going to take some blows, but just you got to you got to keep going. You got to get back up and keep going. Chris, um. I always wanted to ask because I live down in this in this market, right? And so, you know, you guys would be playing for championships and I'd be home in the summertime and and I'm listening to sports talk radio and stuff like that. Um, and as the big three comes together, I always felt like the biggest sacrifice had to be made by by you. Um, and I felt that from the outside, you know, looking in. And then I spent some time with LeBron, Kyrie, and, and Kevin Love in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Kevin Love was in the same kind of place you were in with the Heat where you know, on your own, you guys were, were phenomenal players, but to make this work collectively, someone mm -hmm. had to give up the most of themselves. And to me, it, it looked like you guys, am I right in that? Um, and, and then I would ask like, how'd you deal with that? I mean, ultimately championships were won. You clearly got to a good place with it, but how hard was that? It was extremely difficult. And the interesting thing about our team was that we were still pretty young getting together. Usually, in, in, in that type of environment, 
um, guys are later in their careers. Right. It's been um, established, right? Yeah. Very much established. And they know for sure they have given it their all. Now they have to do something else and make another decision. Um, we were kind of in a more flexible position, you know, so, you know, that was, that, that was a, a part of it. And, and, and then of course you have the Miami Heat style, you know, so it's a very teamwork oriented style. That's why I talk about it so much in my, um, in my book, because I knew the things I had my dreams and aspiration that I thought I wanted. Right. Or you get to this place where if, if I'm not scoring, if I don't get 20 and 10, then am I successful? You know, um, them pushing me more to be more of a defender, you know, that was uh, that was a huge difference. And me just taking it on and just trying to figure things out. But it was extremely difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was uh, and it changed every year. You know, that was uh, that was one of the hard parts. You know, we just had to it was like a constant conversation, just constant you know, yeah, constant conversation, constant teamwork, constantly trying to figure things out, you know, because it wasn't yeah. easy. Chris, when you were talking about, um, you know, I remember when you guys were first uh, the 09-2010 season where there was all this speculation about, you know, the 2010 free agency and what was going to come of that. Um, and there's always a talk about you guys, uh, you, Bron, and Wade all planning to come. How much truth was there into that versus because free agency is so unpredictable? Yeah. What was how much truth is it in that? Oh, we're just there's this toast, there's this thing that we're about to do versus what actually happened. What, how much truth is in like we're going to play together? We have this vow to play together versus it just kind of naturally happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, look, it's a mix of both, really. Um, we talked about it. A lot of people thought it started like in 08. They were like, oh, you guys were in 08 and this. Yeah. I said, look, I tell people, look, if that meeting went on, I wasn't there. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, uh, but I mean, we, we were all, we had always been friends and throughout the course, not only as friends, but as free agents as well. We had conversations, of course. You know, we picked up the phone, we would see each other. Um, even Dwayne and I, um, we had our free agency meetings in the same, uh, we was in, we were both in Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. we had the same, uh, agent, um, the late Henry Thomas. And, um, you know, we were doing our thing. The, the thing I didn't anticipate was how psychologically challenging it was going to be because there were so many different scenarios yeah. and the pressure that everybody kept putting on me. Anytime I had a meeting with a team, they said, look, if you come right now, one of them are going to come. <laughs> yeah. So that wow. I was just like, you know, and me and my ego, it's like, yeah, I could get 25 and 12. It's just like, you, you know, you start doing the math in your head, whether it's true or not. And yeah. so I didn't anticipate that kind of, um, being a part of it. And, you know, Miami had to do the work, um, to get under the cap, to be able to have the cap space, you know, cause even after they signed us, I think we only had like five or six, People on our team. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys had to sign that. UD right after. You had to, it's, UD wasn't on the team. Udonis Haslam wasn't nah. on the team. He had to sign, like technically wasn't, right? And you had to nah, resign him afterwards. They had to work out. They had to like move money. It was, it was crazy, but it took like, it took days to put the team together. So in your meeting, I mean, in bronze meeting, apparently there's the legend of like Pat Riley putting the rings on the table. Well, was there, was there a grandiose? So how was your meeting with the Miami Heat? Well, was it, was it that thing? Was it that yeah. same vibe? What was the, what was that for, for you? Oh, yeah. Pat he put through? the rings on the table. He put the rings <laughs> on the table. <laughs> Tell me how that goes. What happens? Like, is he talking like, yo, Chris, I got something to show you. What is the rings on the table conversation like? 
So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're walking in. All right. I got my dad and my agent with me. Okay. You know? And so my dad, he's over there geeking out like, man, you know, man, that's Pat Riley, man. It's, you know, it's like, yo, chill out, bro. You know, like it's business. I'm Chris Bosh. Bosh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. <laughs> so we walk in and everybody's just, um, you know, it's one of them, those round circle tables in the, in the meeting areas. Right. Um, and everybody's just kind of sitting down and I was kind of thrown off by it. Cause even Spo was sitting down. And, and so Pat was kind of pacing back and forth. He takes his jacket off. He loosens his tie and he rolls up his sleeves and then he gets a bag and then just puts the rings on the table and they go everywhere a little bit. And he's like, you know, then, then that pretty much kicks off his speech. <laughs> so then that's like his intro with no words. And then he just like went into that's what it's about. It's about being a champion. It's about. This, we have an opportunity. You, Dwayne, LeBron, we can, you know, we can, uh, uh, if you guys make this decision. And it was pretty good. It was wow. pretty good. And then, and then, and then, so then look at the end, he's like, yeah, take one of the rings you, and you give it back to me uh, when you win one for yourself. Oh, damn. You know, yeah, that's so just up. like, that was like the closing. I said, you know, it's a good one. You know, let me go think about it. <laughs> how involved, how involved is Pat? Um, and I don't mean in any way to lead you into a question that would that would minimize what Eric Spolstra does, because I think he's fantastic and he's and yeah. he's been groomed to be fantastic. But like, how involved was Pat on a day to day? Like I was never in that building. I never got to play there. Um, culturally, though, I think he kind of he culture began, you know, with, with, with him being there, how involved is he, or was he at that point? How present was he when you guys were around the building and stuff? You know, you know, he's there. We all know where his office is. He comes to work every day. He's in his office every day. Um, you know, and they watch practice every day. (laughs) He doesn't say anything. He's not interjecting the coach's coach. Um, you know, I know he's a firm believer in that, but uh, he's always had an open door policy. And um, he, he's always been that person where you can go in there and knock on the door. I mean, we had a bunch of conversations, just me knocking on the door. And if something needs to be said, organization, you know, organizational wise, like if things aren't right, then he will speak up. They, those things will be addressed. Those are that's more of, you know, his, his role. But he doesn't he doesn't he's not uh what's the word uh just overbearing or anything he he does kind of get a knock for that sometimes but it's totally not like that i mean he's um he's hands-on in the sense where he is a hands-on president and he knows how to do his job um um, both he and spo uh to watch their relationship change and look right he's got to fight those emotions just like everybody else if we have a bad game and he felt as a coach Spoke could have done this. Sure, they could have that conversation every night, right? But um, there is they they. I learned from them that there is a mode of of keeping it separate and allowing the coach to coach and the president to be the president and everybody to to do their roles so the machine can work. Mm-hmm. When you guys were uh, seemed like during that time, you know, he he puts the rings on the table for all you guys. Pat does, and then there's a time to announce. And I remember your announcement, you and uh, you and Dwayne Wade's announcement was a sports center hit. 
I mean, it was a sports yeah. center segment. It was yeah, a Wilbon. Um, and I remember there just being, you know, still uncertainty if LeBron was going to come and he wound up announcing the next day. Was there, how did that make you guys feel? Because it was like, you guys are going, but then we still have to wait on Braun. Did you guys know Braun was coming? Can you guys, can you take me through that process of when you guys announced versus when LeBron announced in the decision? Yeah, so it was uh, making the move in the hopes that he would make the move. Um, the the cap space was so there. So y'all had no idea that he was going to, like, you I guys, mean, did you, you have talk, inkling? Yeah. I mean, we, you know what? It was so exhaustive. We stopped talking to each other. We couldn't. I mean, we, it was the last thing that we wanted to talk about because it was just so, I'm, I'm telling you. Because I thought it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be, oh, yeah, okay. These are the situations, and then we'll make our decision in no time. And, and then it just... It kept going and going and going. And we, I mean, we would just want to hang out and just not even talk about it. You know, it got to that point. But um, yeah, I mean, there was a mode to not knowing. Of course. I mean, he had it was a whole, uh, you know, thing, uh, a program. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting on the edge of my seat, too, to be honest with you. And <laughs> and then and then um you know, made the decision, no pun intended. And, you know, the rest is history after that. Would you guys have done the same spectacle if you could do it over again, you think? Like, yo, we're going to win five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven rings in five years. <sighs> <laughs> you know what, man? Like, it's, it's when you're younger, you don't know all the way. You don't, you, you, you get wiser for a reason, right? Right. And then we were, we were, we were having so much fun. We were caught up in the moment. We, we, that whole day, we didn't know what was going on. So pretty much what you were watching was just people totally in the moment, not mm. even thinking about anything, just having fun. That's, that was unfiltered. You know, okay. and and that's why, you know, <laughs> because it was like, you know, it, it was funny. He kept going and, and the more he kept going, everybody got louder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were caught up in the thing, you know, it was so much fun. And, and like we were finding all this stuff out on the fly, like. They come to the gym. It wasn't until night. We're like, yo, what what the hell? And they showing us where to go. Like, man, what the hell? And then next thing you know, we coming out the thing. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. And and you yeah. know, everybody, you know, Miami loves to have a good time. You know, oh, you it looked like a lit Miami excuse. night. It looked tight. Oh, it looked it looked hella fun. Classic. And then the problem was not really thinking that other people are watching too. Uh, never mm. crossed my mind. <laughs> I don't think it crossed any of our minds. We were just, yeah, we were just in the moment. I, Chris, like people make fun of, of coming to South Beach um, and having to play, right? And talking about having the South Beach flu and and all of that when you're an opponent. <laughs> um, now, yeah, right. But you're 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 there now. You're living in Miami. Um, you guys are the Heatles. There's every eyeball is on you. Did you guys like? Did it make it more difficult to do your job? Was that was that something? I mean, coming from Toronto at the time, I mean, I have to imagine that was a huge difference in in, in coverage and markets and all of that. Did could you feel yeah. that? Was there pressure associated with that? I mean, there's you have to have discipline. Um, you definitely have to have discipline, and as a team. I mean, you know, you have to figure out that area of commitment to the team, right? Like, you still want to have a good time while you're out, but you know, not that much yeah. of a good time, right? And and then for me, uh, you know, I was um I was uh, engaged 
my my wedding was coming up. I was doing a lot of wedding planning and stuff like that. So and, and we were hanging out too, you know, going hanging out. And you know, the tough part and what's funny about Miami is that usually on our road trips, we we would um, you know, like our Basel or the boat show, stuff like that. Like the cool stuff when the city's on fire, we'd be out of town. You know, right. <laughs> that. So yeah, you know, it would it would be things you miss, but you know, eventually the, the championship is, is more important. And, and if you're lucky to, to every now and then have a night where you can go out and hang out, you know, you do it responsibly. Uh, but yeah, it's right there. I will say that it's right there. No, that's, listen, bro. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, especially as youngins, right? Like you talked about being a little older and getting into that situation where championships are paramount and you've established, but I mean, that discipline also comes with maturity. So that's mm -hmm. got, I mean, that's, that's gotta be a really tough, you know, thing to do, bro. Come down there, get dropped in the world's on fire. And then you guys got to really try to compartmentalize and be about that championship. That's gotta be really tough. For sure. It was, and you know, it was tougher for the young guys. <laughs> it was tougher for the young guys, man. It was, it was crazy. I mean, it was just, um, just the games, uh, going just when, uh, when you're competing for championships, it's just the city. It's a magic in the city. You know, when it's, when it's the finals in a, in a town, I mean, it's, it's nothing like it. Um, and we got to experience that for four straight years and just the uh, seeing sports fans hopeful. And, you know, seeing kids hopeful and just going to road games and seeing heat jerseys. It was, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. I'm I'm, I'm glad I got to live that as a ball player. Yeah. What was uh, that first year? Because I remember um, when you guys assembled in that first year, I was a Laker fan. So I was one of those people that was just like, uh, no, no. And just like part <laughs> of that backlash. You know what I mean? But real, like you guys had to deal yeah. with that a lot. Right. You guys had to deal with that. And it felt like at least in the first year, you guys were using that as fuel to, to um, you know, win games, especially during mm -hmm. the middle part of that season. Do you think that was healthy in the, in the uh, like, in hindsight? Was that mindset healthy? Like, we're going to prove everybody wrong uh, mindset that I didn't think you guys had in the years after that, but specifically in that first year when you guys are playing Dallas, it felt like you guys were trying to prove something to us as opposed to, like, winning it, winning it. If I have that wrong, let me know. But how was that with uh -huh. that mindset um, trying to prove everyone wrong that first year? Was that healthy in hindsight? No, you know, it wasn't. And that's why I talk about mental preparation so much in my book. Um, the way we were preparing for games, the, what we used as fuel, and you know, like you were saying, the, the things that we were paying attention to, um, I, I felt that it took away from the team. And we learned that eventually. But at the same time, it's a reason that you learn these lessons, right? We were in the finals um, and we're playing against a, a veteran team. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, he, he won an MVP and they had the best record in the league and they lost in the first round. Mm -hmm. and, and then after that, he finally gets to the finals. The Heat beat him. So he's back. Yeah. Jason Kidd got to the finals twice, lost. I mean, you finally get to the finals and then it's like, oh, yeah, all right, Kobe and Shaq. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Two years in a row, like yeah. they, they had the you have to you have to go through your process to kind of um, understand that uh, that pain you have to take with you. Um, and, and we hadn't developed that yet. Um, and during the course of that season, we hadn't learned yet that things that to be said, th things that are being said, they're going to be said. 
what we need to do is focus on teamwork. We need to focus on communicating with each other. We need to focus, hey, when when I'm at this elbow, you know, are you, are you cutting or are you coming off? You know, those are the things um, that uh, were more important at the end of the day. We realized that after losing and then, you know, came back and said, okay, no more excuses. This is the focus. And I'm if 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 there's another team out there that beats us, I'm willing to risk that bet. And because I know, you know, these guys I'm playing with are with me. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the uh, I felt like. So I talked to you about having a sacrifice. Right. And so the first year, as you know, I watched I came to some of those final games. Um, it felt almost like. There was an uncertainty. Just you guys were trying to figure out like I- exactly what this was going to look like down the stretch. Like exactly, you know, what what role that was, right, Chris? Like, I mean, three great players, and but we all know the ball at the end of the game, nine out of 10 times has to find a hand or someone has to... How, talk to me sure. about how that kind of organically morphed. Like it looked like year two, there was a lot more like certainty in in who you guys were within what you were trying to do there. Yeah, it's, you know, it was creating that system. Um, so one of the strengths, uh, one of the huge lessons that we learned from that Dallas series was to run. Let's use our strengths. Let's run. But now we're going to keep the floor open. So that's when you saw us running and spreading. We would not want anybody in uh, the middle of the court, running down the middle of the court. So that way, Bron and D could attack. We could run those quick drag screens, away screens, um, you know, for our shooters. I can pick and pop, pick and roll, make those reads. And that got us into more of a flow of the game, right? And then in our packages, uh, when it's time to get, um, that's when Brian said, okay, I'm getting in this post. I'm going to start working. And then eventually I found my way. It, it was almost like, you know, Brian was the five D was the four and I was the two. Cause I stretched the floor and I've started my game with jumpers as opposed to, you know, it being spread and getting those pick and rolls. And then mm-hmm. we progress into that spread, you know, to shooting threes and stuff like that. Yeah. I just feels like, uh, I, that second year, it all culminated the, you know, the, the hate that you guys are getting, you guys trying to prove everybody wrong. Um, that seemed to the, the the maybe nearing the end kind of culminated. I feel like in that game six in Boston, and I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, we were talking to uh, Coach Fisdale, uh, I think about a week ago, and he was talking about how LeBron was very locked in after that game five in a way that like he wouldn't talk to anybody. He was engaged, but he wouldn't talk before the games and things like that. Did you were, did yeah. you think that was gonna? Did you think he was gonna put on a performance like that? Because Fizz said that. Wayne Wade told him, oh, he's going to put on a show tonight. That, right before yeah, that. Did you guys ready. have, did yeah. you guys know that he was ready to go? Man, I didn't. I, I, to be honest with you, I had a groin injury. And mm-hmm. so I'm playing with a tremendous amount of pain. So my pregame thing was being just like, what can I do today? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? You know, I can't move like I usually can. Okay, what okay, what hurts and when I do this, this hurts when I okay, all right, cool. It's just like I'm going through my mind because this joint's about to hurt. And we're in the garden, you know, it's intimidating. And so um, you know, you could hear a pin drop in the room. I, I I'm just kind of in my own zone and it was everybody's quiet, nobody had to say anything, go over the plan. Cool. And I just remember Brian, 
us being in the back of the lot, you know, um, in the hallway, stretching, about to run out there, you know, getting your mind ready. And he just was like, they brought the trophy today, huh? We were all like, yeah. Uh, David Stern here, too. Okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's go, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know he was going to do that, though. I didn't I didn't really realize what was going on until about midway through the second quarter. Mm. You know, because I'm, I'm under the goal every time just crashing the boards. And I'm like, yo, every shot is good. You know, and I stopped crashing the boards. It's like, you under there, you see the ball. Oh, that's good. Wah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Wah. Dang, he is on fire. That's a good one. Feeling it tonight. And then for me, I just said, all right, cool. We don't have to worry about offense. Let me just get a stop. Let me let me concentrate. I start putting on my concentration on um on, on defense because he was rolling. Well, that was one of the coolest things watching. I, obviously, offensively, you guys were fantastic, but but you guys were one of the better defensive teams. Like yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> man for man, you guys could be one of the better the better teams of all time. Real talk. When you guys decided to lock up and strap up when it meant something. Um, focal point coming into a camp. Uh, just again, morphed into that, or did you guys come back year two and say, "Hey, man, we gotta"? Th- th- it starts here. This is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give credit to the Heat way. <laughs> yes, defense first. That is the first thing we do at camp, and that's coming from the top down. That's coming from Spo. You know, and we always knew that we wanted to be the best defensive team in the league. That was our uh, goal every time. Uh, we wanted to be dynamic. We wanted to be fast, and I mean, we wanted to play that style to speed other teams up and then kind of let D and Bron be the free safeties, you know, just be like Ed Reed picking, you know, getting into those passing lanes, getting those dunks, throwing off the backboard, all that crazy stuff. You know, we wanted to kind of get up and into a lot of teams, uh, be physical with them, but fast at the same time. We still played that that smaller uh, uh, version of it. I mean, it's a lot smaller now, but we we still wanted to spread and 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 attack. I don't think you guys get the credit for, you know, the Warriors always get the credit for small ball and that, but you guys were that beforehand in my opinion. But I, I before I get to that, I want to get to the, the game 6. One more question about that. Did was there a sense if you guys didn't win that game that it was going to be over, that this experiment was going to be over? Did you guys think or was that in the back of your minds? What did you think was going to happen if you lost that game, Chris? That was a team conversation. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know what it is. We can't fail. You know what it is if we fail. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't anything out of panic. It's us being professionals. It's us appreciating the moment. And, you know, we're, we're here to, for a reason. And one, that'd be cool, but I've had encounters with people to be like, oh, one, that's cool. Oh, if God, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's the hardest thing ever, but it is what it is. You know, that's sports. And, you know, we knew that. We, we knew that. We knew that we had to perform when it was time. We had to come through as a team individually. You know, all those things, we had to get through it. Um, and And we did. So that's why. I can finally look back at those things because a lot of that stuff is the preparation and opportunity, those lucky instances, um, you know, keeping your mind ready and, and really just holding on to that visualization, you know, and just just keeping that dream alive, even when it doesn't look that good. <laughs> when on those I, I know when um, when you have a. We watched LeBron's career and stuff, and I don't want this to be just LeBron conversation, but I just wanted to ask in terms of like, um, you know, his last year in Cleveland his first last year in Cleveland, when you you kind of got a sense that he was going to leave, right? And then when you look back on his last year in Miami, 
it didn't seem like that he was going to leave throughout the season, but towards the end, it seemed like, you know, that, that Spurs, that Spurs series, at least for me, it seemed like there was like, okay, it doesn't seem like he's coming back. Did you guys have that instance that, oh, he's probably not going to come back. And then the inevitability of it happening at the end, like wh- how, what was your thinking? Like run it back or like he's, this is it. This is over. Oh yeah. My, my idea was running back. Uh, yeah. My idea was running back. That was the intent. Um, but once free agency started, it's free agency. And uh, once that process started and it was kind of just the sound of clocks, you know what I mean? Just total yeah. silence. I was like, okay, all right, cool. Let me let's start working these phones, <laughs> you know. And, but he was the main chess piece. Um, he, he was the card. Everything else fell after him. So, you know, we were just really just waiting on him. And trying to figure things out, but yeah, that was my experience. I didn't, you know, I, I I didn't see him leaving. I wanted to run it back. I thought we could have get we could get back to the finals and compete for another championship. It's disappointing. It sucks getting to the finals and losing, but let's 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 get back to it. And you know, one thing led to another, and he made his decision. But and you know, I've talked to, um, with other people about this too. I, I couldn't imagine people back home or in in the home area not liking me or, you know, feeling a certain type of way, you know, I would have to, um, I, I could see now, uh, in hindsight, how, uh, difficult of, of a decision it was to make, but to put himself in a position to, to get a championship for Cleveland and then actually, you know, do it. That, that was pretty cool. I want to ask you, I mean, this is going to segue just a little bit. I mean, you get back to the arc of the heat, but I'm, uh, I want to ask you about another teammate though. I want to ask you about James Jones, who's a, a Miami guy. I've known James yeah. since he was in high school. Um, he's, he's doing great out, out with Phoenix. Uh, he's built a beautiful roster, like the vision. As soon as he took the job, you could start seeing the vision and it was yeah. lacking before he got there. Did you see that um, in James? Like, was there, you know, he was a teammate. Like, could you tell that that was going to be in his future, either coaching or, 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 or being in the front office? I didn't see some sort of front office. He was always a numbers guy. I didn't mm-hmm. see him being in that position. You, you could, you could kind of tell the things he was trying to figure out or talking about or working out. But that's one of the things I love uh, about the team, team full of smart brothers, you know, um, and, and James was one of them. And, you know, not only was one of the best three pointers shooters I've ever seen, but just, uh, uh, the way he sees life, you know, the way he raises his kids, his beautiful family. Um, you, you could, you could see the gears turning. Uh, and, and it was interesting. As soon as he went to Phoenix, I was like, that's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, just, just to be able to not only do the numbers and interpret the CBA, but, put the talent together to actually find the guys to plug in, to make the right draft picks, you know, to be in a position. And I remember the, the GM got fired or quit and he had to, he went from assistant to <laughs> right Real up quick. to the quick, quick, yeah. you know, so I'm sure it wasn't easy days, but um, he was always like that. Always a smart guy. Um, always, always a winner. And I'm not surprised at all that they're, they're, they're making it happen out there. Are you content with kind of how, the career, the, your career has played out, and are are you in a good place with that? Because you know, with the Miami Heat, you we always talked about, um, you know, you came in as a Toronto Raptor, dropping twenty five and, and ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. You are this guy, and they have to go into this role. And I know psychologically, like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just the fact that you're an NBA player, and you're used to certain things, and have to take on a different role. 
Are you content with how everything played out? Is you you know you weren't the number one guy like you were in Toronto, and then you you won <laughs> two chips. But now, like that, yeah. that is kind of your legacy is that you won two chips as a part of this grand thing. Are you okay with 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 how the career um, is ended for you? Are, are you content with everything that happened? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basketball took me around the world. Man, I got to play at Madison Square Garden, and it was mm. cracking a bunch of times. Playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, got a playoff got series there. Yeah, you know what I mean. I got to play with Kobe in the Staples Center, Kobe and Shaq, and I got to just uh, be an NBA player. That's all I ever wanted to do, um, and to actually, uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. And I, and I say this a lot in my book as well. Uh, it could also you could have the ego, and it can always be about you. Of course, yeah, you winning a championship and scoring 25 points a game, everybody will take that. But would you win a championship and score 18? A bunch of people wouldn't take it. You'd be surprised. I've seen a bunch of them. But, um, you know, putting myself into the team, I became a better basketball player. Um, I, I had more of an experience because I wasn't competing. <laughs> I wasn't competing on the stage. I talked to Bill Walton. He said, you want to play on that grand stage. And I said, okay, this is, you know, this is an older guy saying this. So, yeah, I want to play on the grand stage because that's where I saw Michael Jordan. That's where I saw Kobe Bryant. That's where I saw Clutch City do their thing, you know. So that was that was important for me. And to actually live that out and actually get to have these experiences. And now, you know, going to the Hall of Fame, like, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know. And I'm just yeah. so appreciative um, for the ride. You said that you were uh, you talked to Magic and Bill Russell during before your decision to to dip, or you, you talked to a lot of these Bill, guys that had uh, Bill, Bill Walton, Walton. And Magic. Yeah, talked to what Magic. were the conversations uh, like? What, what 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 was said during that conversation? Be like, yeah, I need to do this. I, I, it's 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 time. What I just said, you want to play? Uh, that's what Bill Walton said. You want to play on that stage, big fella? Oh yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. Yes, no, I, I know do. that voice. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so I said, okay, you know, that's what I start, you know, thinking about it and just, you know, thinking about those things to help make my decision. Yeah. So we have a book. We, we, um, like I said, let me plug it one more time. Letters to a young athlete. Got it right here for it by Pat Riley. You know what I mean? It's right here. Mm -hmm. What's, what's next? We, you know, we talked about retirement. What do you want to do? What is, what if, where, where are you, um, in this next step? in your, in your, in your life? Yeah. I mean, I love the, um, you know, the literary game, uh, the publishing game is cool. Um, I love doing it. I love speaking, um, to you trying to motivate, um, people to, you know, get the best out of themselves to get over obstacles. Uh, it's just trying to figure that out. Um, you know, man, I, you know, I produce music and stuff. I do all kinds of stuff, man. I'm just really into my hobbies. I'm into my kids. I'm, um, uh, I've been, I told my wife my challenge. I'm going to just kind of just ride the wave and see where things go because that's how this book came about. So now I'm kind of trying to reset and, um, see where I'm at. Uh, but until then, we have a lot more work to do. Um, you know, it's been, it's been great just to have these conversations like with you guys and, and, you know, push the message, man, and, and, and see what, see what happens. Chris, who's going to win this chip this year, bro? Like, mm. who's winning that? <clears throat> I mean, the Nets seem unstoppable. Uh, if their bench plays like that, I mean, it's their KD, Ky Kyrie, James Harden, of course, they can do their thing. They can score 100 points between them. But the bench, 
they're just so dang. Joe Harris is just like everybody's on another level, you know, and um, I, I, it's, it's hard to see someone beating them. But Phoenix looks tough, man. Just as a basketball player, watching them play the game, I'm like, yo, I don't know how we stop that. Ooh, they put you and they have book, CP, you know, big day. They're balanced. They're big. Um, you know, uh, they could be an interesting team, but you know, that's why I love the playoffs. You gotta, and it's intense too, boy. It's they out there playing hard. I love it. <laughs> we, uh, let's, let's get to real quick. Let's get to real one of the week. Uh, somebody that we, uh, real one of the week is an entity, an organization, or a person that won the week in our eyes. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna go Nikola Jokic, MVP. I really love his game, man. Balled out this season. He's well deserved. Raza, who was your real one of the week? Oh, my real one of the week is the Tennessee Titans, bro. You got you got you got Julio coming over there. You got Julio to pair with uh with the weapons that they already have offensively out there, man. Tennessee Titans won the week for me. I don't know what was it a second round pick and a conditional or something like that. That's a no brainer. Mm. Chris, who's your real one of the week? Man, you know what? I love you know I know it's uh, serious stuff, but I'm gonna go with name your soccer. You know, just for her speaking out and saying, yo, if something's not right. Something's not right, and I need to get myself right before I can get back out there. So I applaud her, uh, um, you know, for for starting the conversation and looking out for her mental health. That's uh, that's a great thing to see. That's for sure, sure, man. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for coming on, man. We'd love Appreciate to have you on again. You Thanks guys, so much, man. man. Thanks All a right. lot. Talk to you guys soon. Good to see Real you, bro. Ones.